Well, let's, uh, let's jump into our scripture. Go ahead and turn to Romans 8. We're in verses 9 and 10, moving right along. And uh, let me pray for the Lord to bless our time. Now, Father, um, each time we're able to gather, Lord, I am reminded um, just of how much we need you, but also how much we need each other, um, how much we need to hear from you, but also how much we need to hear from each other. As I look um, up here, if I'm sitting down to the left or my right, and I think about uh, just, uh, just the victories and the trials that come with trying to follow you, and Lord, um, I know that each day as I seek to do that, um, I need as much help from others and their experience as they do for mine. And so, Father, I pray that as we uh, talk about your Holy Spirit, your helper um, this morning, uh, that you would uh, just give us insight and help us just be really open to where we are with understanding uh, you in our lives and the effect that you want to have uh, on us and on others. And so, Lord, we ask that you would teach us and um, help us be bold in sharing. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so as um, we jump into... Um, chapter 8, verses um, 9 and 10. I just want to uh, hit you up real quick um, just with a couple of recap points so that we know this is really uh, more of the meat of uh, what we're going to be, um, what Paul is going to be talking about, really life in the Spirit. And so he's been needing to, um, he's been needing to spend a few verses helping us understand kind of the context of then life in the Spirit. And so just real quick, just want to help and remind ourselves of just a few metaphors that we've used um, to go. So as we, so just look starting in verse one. Um, and so we have used the metaphor of uh, a, uh, a dog uh, that is uh, scheduled to kind of be put down. And so that that is uh, us under condemnation, right? That there is a sentence over us. And so if you kind of can picture that a dog at, uh, at a uh, kennel, not a kennel, what do you call it? Just the pound, the pound. There we go. Thank you at the pound, he's in a cage, and he's like scheduled, hey, Thursday, it's going down, and so that's a really sad thought, Um, but that sentence is over us, right, as we are outside of the Lord, uh, because we have sinned, right, that we are condemned, that our sin requires punishment, and so that is our state outside of Christ, and so, but we use that metaphor to say that because of what Christ has done, because we place our faith in him, right, that we have been taken off of that going to die list. <laughs> but it's not just that he has saved us, has paid us for the penalty of what's happened, but he's also opened that cage. So you're not just going to be put down, but the cage is open, So and someone is there to adopt you. And so we move from kind of certain death and a, and a future that is bleak to a future that is brand new. And so when, when Paul is saying there's no condemnation in Christ, there's no judgment, there's no penalty when we place our faith in him, there's also this new life to be lived, that, there, that the power of death and sin has been done away with, but also the power to live righteously now is yours in Christ Jesus, okay? So I just want to remind you of that, um, remind you of that. Then in verse 4, right, so he talks about the purpose of our rescue, um, the purpose of our freedom and the purpose of our adoption is verse to live life the way we are created to live it. Right, learning to walk with God and fulfill his purposes. We go down in verses 5 and 6, and this is where over the last couple of weeks we've been using the, the metaphors and the um, descriptions up here. Right, that often our lives, right, in, so the cage has been open, uh, I'm, I'm off death row, 
but still I, but my reality is often that I'm living in that cage still, even though the door's open and I'm not condemned anymore, that most of my life is characterized really by sin management, really by just living that life that I'm used to living, and it doesn't really look like new life, right? It doesn't really look like uh, life uh, that God has come to give me or that he's uh, seeking to teach me. And so in verses 5 and 6, right, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So we're reminded then that, that we don't want that to continue. Paul is saying that's not where God uh, wants you to stay. And then last week, right, we then uh, got to this place where um, as God's seeking to put our sins away, right, we need to, what helps us there is to understand that for me to move into new life, I've got to understand that my current life is not neutral. So a lot of times what keeps us from kind of getting better, right, or doing something different is that I think that what I'm doing is okay, right? The thing that kind of having one foot in uh, the world and one foot in uh, God's stuff, right, is okay. There's, that's where he is okay with me staying. It's okay that you're there. It's not okay for, um, for you to stay there. And so we went into great uh, detail of trying to help us understand how we're hostile to him in that environment because he has a new life for you and you're hostile in fact of no, I'm not going. In the same way that if we want to go to school and my daughter Hollis, if you've ever met her and seen her in a state of um, rebellion, (laughs) uh, she is exceedingly hostile to our plans for taking her to school, right? I'm not going, right? And so that's a really good picture for us that when we don't, we are not obedient to what Christ says, that we are actually hostile to his plans for us. And so it's not neutral, it's hostile. And so the second thing is, and it's in that state, right, in 7 and 8, that we talks about that in that state we cannot please God. Just like Hollis cannot please me, pleasing the daddy in the morning and, and mommy in the morning is like just getting into the van with shoes on and like going to school and like getting out of the van with no problems. <laughs> but in that in that hostile state, she's unable to do that. She's unable to please us. And so that's kind of where we sit. And so 9 and 10 is where we, um, is where we kind of start. So our central uh, tenet, this breaking point or this tension that Paul has created is that, is that he's reminding us of who we are in Christ and then, then what does that mean then to move forward. So the question then for us, and this is... And this is um, kind of going for the jugular if we have the holy spirit why does the holy spirit not make more of a difference in my life if i have the holy spirit then why does the holy spirit not make a different more of a difference in my life and so that is the question that i want you to wrestle with uh, this morning and that's the question that i want you to have um kind of better ammo moving forward and so that also begs the question right do i have the holy spirit so um, with somebody in a loud, clear voice, read eight, verse, uh, chapter 8, verses 9 and 10 of Romans. Go for it. Beautiful. Well done, Matthew. So, so in, in these two verses, uh, Paul gives us three truths. 
So he declares three things to be true. You are in the Spirit, like you are positionally in the Spirit. That is your, should be uh, your reality if right, you have the Holy Spirit. So just kind of having him is not like having 10 bucks in my pocket that, that I can kind of use when I want it. So Paul is equating being in the Spirit with having the Spirit. Okay, So that may seem elementary. just want to make sure we're clear on that. So that's one true thing that he's uh, declaring here. The second thing is, if you have the Holy Spirit, you belong to God. So look at it is if he counts you as his, whatever you did to get in that state, right, um, then you belong to him. And that is a really big deal. You understand that like God's like is keeping tabs on you and is interested in you in a way that he's not when you're, that when he hasn't like given, it's like, okay, uh, all right, Lauren's mine. She belongs to me. How do I give her something that makes her that she knows that she's mine? Right, that is what the Holy Spirit is. So we're not going get, to get into some heavy theology here, but that's kind of layman's terms, what the Holy Spirit is. Because as she's mine and she belongs to me, I want to give her right, the person of the Holy Spirit to live inside her to enable her then to live this new life that she has no idea how to live. I want to make sure that she has everything she needs pertaining to life and godliness, as it says in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you have the Holy Spirit, you belong to God. Third, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are alive because of Christ's righteousness. So there's two things here. Outside of having the Spirit, you're dead. Like your, your, your state is, is um, as it was when you were condemned. You're, as, you're dead or you're as good as dead. Right? And how you change from the state that you were in to the state that you are in if you are in Christ and have the Holy Spirit is because of Christ's righteousness, because of who he was and is and what he did. So questions or thoughts about those ideas, because as we move forward and then begin to dialogue a little bit about it, it's going to be really important that you feel comfortable kind of where we've come to at this point, because as we move forward in Romans, it's going to get like, it's going to build on this idea. Thoughts, questions, comments. All right, we good? Thumbs? Right? All around the room? Fantastic. So as we talked about why does the Holy Spirit not make more of a difference in my life, here's one thing uh, that was helpful to me, and this was a, a, not, hel- a not good uh, experience in my life. I don't want to tell you about it super, super quick. So the question is why, so another question is why would I do something wrong if I knew how to do it right? I think this is really kind of the central issue with us as it relates to the Holy Spirit is that, like, it sounds good, I use that word and, and have incorporated language into my life, but honestly, right, I don't actually know how to live with the Spirit. Like, we've been taught about Him, but that probably is my reality. And so, a lot of times, I don't know if that's ever a thought you've had, but it definitely has been mine uh, this week when I'm thinking about it in my past life, is I had no idea what that meant or what that uh, but it helped me, and it was actually encouraging because once I did understand that I knew that I would want to live in such a way, right, that, that, um, that, I, that I was doing it correctly. Does that make sense? All right, so I used to have this job, uh, and I won't go into it right out of college, where I basically just traveled around. And so we'd be out of town six weeks, I'd be home two months, I'd be out of town three months, I'd be home six weeks. And one of these jobs we had is... Um, 
some company uh, had all these, have you ever been into an ATM? You know, you go into a little door and there's like a lighted thing and it says Bank of America or Wells Fargo and you put your thing in and you kind of know whose kiosk you're using. Well, those banks buy each other all the time. This company I work for is literally just changing the sign that was backlit. But they, but they didn't manufacture them correctly, so they were just a quarter inch too big, and they kept falling out. And so this is really pertinent to the information. You're like, that's way too much information. <laughs> but why this is important is because they hired me and a couple of my friends, this company worked for our company, to go up there to pull those things off, to pull this router out of our vehicle and to, and to router off a quarter inch all the way around the border and then stick it back up there. <laughs> now, why this quarter inch is so important is because, so we get up to, it's in the Boston area, we get up there, and then I'm driving around for 15 hours trying to find these random ATMs all over the place, pull out this contraption that we rigged up, pull these things down, and basically like trim it off and make them fit. Well, we had been doing this for about a week. We've been working 15-hour days. We're really tired. It's like our day off. And we get to have this conversation with my friend about kind of the specifics of what we've been asked to do to be able to check off those things. And, and the guy that was leading our group said, hey, do you think like every single one of them that you've, that you've routed off a, uh, a quarter inch? I was like, no, none of them. <laughs> I was just making it fit. He's like, well, I told you, right, that we, like, had to route her off a quarter inch of all of these things. I was like, no, you didn't tell me that. Why would I not do what you told me very specifically to do? Like, why would I want to create, like, more work for myself? And so we got in this ginormous argument. <laughs> and so he kept doing, like, are you serious? Like, you've been working for a week and you haven't been doing this? I said, yes, I am serious. And... And it all came down to my argument always back to him was, uh, and I won't name his name, but dude, (laughs) why would I do something wrong on purpose? Like you say you told me, but if you told me, like I would do it. Like I don't want to be out here like doing extra work. You understand? And so I tell you this long story because that was something that really resonated me with me as I've tried to live my Christian life is a lot of times, right, that kind of is how we feel. That when we finally figure out how something works, right, we're kind of irritated <laughs> that someone didn't tell us earlier. Amen? And so this is one of those things, that this is one of those things where we need to kind of have grace, compassion with each other as we learn to what it looks like to kind of conceptualize better what the Holy Spirit is in me Right and how to uh, how to cooperate fully um, with the Lord. So thank you. That was a really personal story to me. So I appreciate y'all working through the details. You're like that. That was really specific. So as we so as we work through a few of the things that we um, that we need to understand, here are the the three questions that I want us to be able uh, to answer. Okay. So we talked about this kind of one overarching question about. Um, the Holy Spirit, um, me understanding like what I need to, uh, or why, why isn't the Holy Spirit make more of a difference in my life? And so here, uh, so here's these three questions. So number one, what difference does it make if I have the Holy Spirit but don't know how to interact or be led by him? If you were a Christian and didn't know that the Holy Spirit existed, but you heard it was like, hey, God's trying to give you this helper, <laughs> help you live this life, 
And if you just like found out that information, what would you think? You're like, uh, hello? Like, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? Right? But is this our reaction? <laughs> what difference does it make if I have the Holy Spirit but don't know how to interact or led by him? It actually makes no difference. That's the answer. And that is kind of what we feel experientially, isn't it? I don't, yeah, that Holy Spirit thing, like, that sounds great, and I hope I have him, but that's about all. I know. Because nobody's ever taught with me what that's supposed to look like. So I, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know what the rules are, right? I don't know, I don't know how he's supposed to help me. Amen on that? Yeah? Amen. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here, and I want you to dialogue with me a little bit as far as making sure that we understand the difference, okay, that the Holy Spirit is supposed to make. And so here's a couple. We'll run through these real quick and then jump around. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, and if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. All right, what help was Jesus to the disciples? Think about that. What, what help... What advantage was Jesus to living the Christian life to the disciples? Yes. Showed him how to do it. He was like, man, that's great to have you around, Jesus. <laughs> this, thing, this, this thing that you invited me into, you're also here to show me how to do it. What other advantage is it for the disciples to have Jesus around and to help them? Real-time feedback, absolutely. All right, so here's a really weird question. What disadvantage is it to have Jesus enfleshed on the earth? to everyone else that lives on the earth. Right. He is. He's limited to how many people he can interact with. This is the point that John is making. This is why it's to our advantage. So it's not saying that the, the, uh, that the whole world was not blessed to have interacted with him and for him to walk on the earth, but he's saying, but he's got bigger plans, right? He wants everyone to be able to interact with him. That's a, that's a pretty like, big, big concept for us to understand. So questions or thoughts about that? Make sense? Okay. Everybody can like, oh, yeah, okay, so the holy, okay, that, okay, all right, I'm with you, I'm with you. So John 14, 16, and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him or has seen him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. What, what do we learn here about the Holy Spirit and, and, and the, the helpingness? What is the Holy Spirit? What is John uh, saying? It's is, uh, is Jesus' words, but John's recording them. What is he saying that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit here in John 14, 16, and 17? Yeah, not going anywhere, okay? He's not just stopping in to check on you. <laughs> He's with you, not going anywhere. What else? Write that down. Here, we're taking notes. Holy Spirit not going anywhere. Got it. We will know him. Yep. And then two more things at the very bottom. Absolutely. Right? That makes you different. If you have the Holy Spirit, other, not everyone has the Holy Spirit. All right, and then what? Is the Holy Spirit like in a sidecar with you? Is he like sitting on your shoulders? Right? Is he like behind you, kind of nagging you? Don't do that, Rob. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, uh-uh. You do this, do this, kind of poking you. Where is the Holy Spirit? Okay, so if he's in us in some way, then that really is going to frame how he communicates with us, right? So I want to keep that in mind. If the if if the teaching is that the spirit is in us, okay, then then that 
That's a thing. All right. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is a, a subtle thing here. So I think Madison shared um, about, or um, McKenna shared about kind of the foreverness, right, of, of the Holy Spirit. But here, Jesus is equating himself with the Holy Spirit. Right, he's saying, I'm going to go, but I'm going to be with you always. And so he's before uh, taught them about that he's going to bring a helper. So that helper in me is not, is different, but not different. Okay? So there's not going to be something, some separate person that you've never met before kind of idea. All right, you've met Greg, you love Greg, well, you've got Paul now. <laughs> right, same spirit that you're used to. Okay, when we think about relationship, this is, hey, so-and-so will be taking care of you. This same person will continue to take care of you. All right, so as we think about that conception, the, the difference that it's making, we've, we hopefully are starting to form this picture of the point that the Holy Spirit is really just like Jesus on earth, except he lives inside you and is not going anywhere, right? That's pretty cool, okay? All right, so let's then look at the second question. Or of this idea of uh, of this idea of helper. So, if someone was going to help you, uh, there's a couple of Chick Fil Aers in here. All right, Josh. Uh, so, if somebody's going to be your helper at Chick Fil A. What would be the perfect helper for you to do your job the best it could possibly be done? Navigate, help you carry stuff to the car, right? Maybe maybe wipe down your seat, you know. Right, so, so in that scenario, like Josh has a real specific job to do, and if, someone, his, some, if, if the, his boss hired somebody, right, maybe his boss is over here, and his boss hired somebody to help him do his job as well as it could be done, think about how you would feel. Like he's not taking over my job, that he wants to equip me in such a way that my job can be done as well as it possibly could. Do you understand that? as far as the level of care, but also like what the helper does, that it's not a nebulous helper. It's not like a butler <laughs> or just like a personal assistant for you to live life as well as it could, is that God, as you belong to him, has a job for you to do, and this helper is to help you do that job, not just random stuff. Does that, does that click? The more you think about that, that should be an aha moment. And this is, this is really the place where why we don't feel the Holy Spirit is because, again, the Holy Spirit is not there to help us uh, live our lives optimally. He's there to live God's life optimally. You understand? So Jesus is not there to make sure that, like, Matthew has a job and that Peter's not getting in trouble. You understand? But isn't that how we might look at the Holy Spirit? Hey, I'm sad, make me feel better. He is the comforter. <laughs> but like if we're just using, if I'm just using like a Ferrari to dry my clothes on it, <laughs> like that's not a good use of the money or the thing. Do you understand? Like that's an absurd example. But like the God, we're using the God of the universe not as he's supposed to be used. 
And so when we think about something that greater things will you do than these, and we're like, oh, (laughs) it's the things that he wants done, not my stuff. Questions or thoughts about that? That should be a light bulb for you, for the Holy Spirit's relationship with you and why, right, we don't really kind of, aren't using them very much. Thoughts or questions about that? Comments? All right, I'll talk to each other. Why is that such a big deal? Just turn to the person next to you, a third person. Take a few minutes. Why is that a big deal that the Holy Spirit actually is there to do God's stuff and not your stuff? All right, so a uh, couple folks share with what y'all, uh, what y'all talked about. I haven't studied at all, and I have this, uh, this test in the morning. Um, it's like, you're like, Holy Spirit, is that, do you do that? Kind of like asking the genie, like, is that, is that something you'll help me with? I haven't studied, or turning the pizza into the nourish my body, like turning pizza into broccoli. You just need to eat some broccoli, you know, get some, get some little brooms in your system going. Anybody else? Good stuff. Any other thoughts? So that, that is a great, I think that's a great point. I absolutely had that conception of like, hey, the holy, uh, that maybe his job is like to put the ball on the tee, right, and for me to have like an easy win. When uh, he's really your dad trying to show you how to hold the bat and encouraging you as you learn to do that and then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, that I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to not encourage you. I'm never going to, when you fail, pick you up. I'm never going to not be at your game. I'm always going to push you to be better. I'm always going to provide what it is that you're lacking in that moment, right? Because when we're living God's life, what we're so often lacking is confidence, right? And the Holy Spirit has said, you're mine, and I made you, and I made everything else here. Why do you think, why are you scared of everything else but not confident in me? That is how a ball player that knows what he's doing is going to be made. And we can do, God can do a lot with that person as that person will continually trust him to move from, I don't even know how to put the ball on the tee, to a major league Hall of Fame (laughs) all-star. You are his method for sharing the gospel. You are his method for discipleship. You are his method to be the body in the world. You are his answer to prayer. He thinks a lot of you. He is investing a lot in you. Do you understand what he actually wants you to do? And so most of the kind of the, our, our idea of the Holy Spirit needs to be wrapped up in that. Like he thinks that much of you, that he's giving a part of himself to live inside you to enable you to do what you don't know how to do. And you can't do on your own. That's pretty cool. Right? That should be the most encouraging thing that as, as the things that I struggle with, that, that the creator of the universe thinks that much of me and thinks that much about my potential and thinks about how much I have to offer. Never leave you nor forsake you, but I'm not going to do it for you. 
So what difference does it make if I have the Holy Spirit but not how to be led by Him? I'm not able then to really understand what He wants me to do. Right, as we've been talking about lordship, as we talked about the big, you know, the pie pieces last week, right, we was talking about being led by Him, is that as I understand all that about kind of more of what the Holy Spirit is there for, right, and I then think about my pie, and really think about, okay, so he's trying to affect how I kind of, I can make the decisions about what's in that pie, but he needs to be helping me do that. Hey, you don't know how to divide your time up appropriately. What's the Holy Spirit there for? Hey, Father, will you teach me what's most important right now in this semester? We open my eyes to the people around me that I need to be investing in. Father, will you change my values? Because right now I'm really struggling with where my values are. Guys, that's a prayer I prayed this week. It's always a prayer I need to pray. Because that's my tendency is to not do that. I'm so much, even 25 years into following Christ, I'm still not good at it. We still don't know how to be led by him. We're amazing at trying to lead ourselves, but really bad at letting him lead. I didn't vet this with Renee, but one of the first couple times that we, um, like, danced together, right, she confessed. She was like, you know what, I I don't really know how to follow here. (laughs) And it's, it's really hard to dance with somebody when both of you are trying to lead. Amen? (laughs) God's, the God's the same. Right? He is the leader of the dance. So let's finish up with these last two questions. What difference does it make if I do belong to God or act like I do? So we talked about being led by him and what that should feel like, and we need to understand what he's there to do. Hey, Fred, what are you here to do? Okay, that makes sense, so we can let Fred do that. Right, same thing with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you here to do? What's, what's the... Ah, okay, that makes much more sense. We can, we, can, we can vibe now. But the second question, what difference does it make if I do belong to God or act like I do? So the, so the, so the obvious would be like, what difference does it make if I don't think I belong to God and I don't act like I do? No different in the world. The only difference is that we have recognized that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Oh, God's like, I'm a Savior. (laughs) I'm a Lord. And we've said yes to that. He's given us his Holy Spirit. But if I don't understand that that's where I belong now, right, if if your life looks like everyone else around you and you say that you belong to God, that's the problem, right? That I've got to act like I belong to him. Anybody started dating someone but hadn't dated anybody in a while and forgot what it was like to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Yeah, right? Oh, I'm supposed to call you. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get it next time. <laughs> So if we have somebody that's nice enough to kind of, that's fine. You know, hey, Rob, 
You call your girlfriend. Okay, thank you. That was good feedback. <laughs> you take her out to, oh, okay. Hold on, I'm going to get something to write with. I need, can you tell me the rest of the stuff? I, apparently I don't know. <laughs> right, as it, rely, it relates to God belonging to him, right, then what does that look like? It's the same way of what does it look like to be so-and-so's, you know, boyfriend, so-and-so's girlfriend. What does it look like to be God's child? To have his Holy Spirit. That's a great, write that question down if you're writing things down because you need to answer that. You know the answers to that, but you need to write it out and to make it, um, put it in front of you. Sometimes it's that simple. I just, I didn't know that I belonged to him. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to be doing anything. Yes. <laughs> yes. That actually is what salvation is. I don't belong to anyone, and that's where this leads, but I belong to God now, and that's where this leads. God calls that salvation. Lastly, what difference does it make if I am alive instead of dead? It means we're not useless. Amen. It's good not to be dead. <laughs> One of my favorite movies is this uh, movie called um, Searching for Bobby Fisher. And it's got, uh, it's about kids playing chess. It's really cute. If you just like cute kids, watch it. You'll be entertained. There's a lot of really cool life lessons in it. But one thing at the very end of the movie is that he's sitting there playing his, his nemesis, and this kid is better than him. The protagonist of the movie um, is, the, this, his nemesis is a little bit better than him. Um, but he makes a mistake, and it flashes back to earlier in the movie where his, the protagonist of the film, his name is Josh Waitzkin, his uh, off-screen, his teacher is telling him, don't move until you see it, don't move until you see it, don't move until you see it, don't move until you see it. As he has, does he see the mistake? Does he understand what happened? And as the, the kid is, is kind of thinking about it, as he's looking at the board, as he's looking at the board, he kind of gets it, like, oh, light bulb goes off. And in his little sweet boy heart, he reins, uh, extends his hand to um, his nemesis, offering him a draw. And the other kid's like, what do you mean? Uh, he goes, I'm, I'm offering you a draw. Hey, shake my hand. We can win the championship, share the, share the prize together. He goes, what do you I, Look at the board. Like, I'm not losing. Like, why would I accept a draw? And he says, you've lost. You just don't know it yet. This is what it means to be dead, <laughs> spiritually dead. That we don't understand that where our life apart from Christ is leading and what it means. I think that's really helpful for us also to view those that are outside of Christ like that with compassion. And right, well, not with anger, but with sadness that they don't know the condition that they're in.
but for us, right, that we need to act like we're alive. One of the coolest things that we miss so much, right, somebody, uh, somebody recite John 3.16. This is a good one. Most everybody's got this memorized. Just somebody say it out loud. That's all right. That whosoever believes in him. That's right. Hey, great job. It's okay. When we have to say it out loud, we're like, oh. But see, so this shall not perish, right? Because we're as good as dead. We've lost. We just don't know it yet, right? It's those people that come to him that know it, right? That I recognize that I'm going to die and that I'm going to face judgment. And so I want a different life. But that thing where he says, shall not perish but have everlasting life, here's the thing that we miss so much, is that he's not just talking about life in heaven, right? The actual translation is there is that you will have an eternal type of life. The implication is is that when we have been saved from doggy death row and the cage has been opened and we learn to walk out of that cage, that he's going to teach us as he's adopted us into his home, he's going to teach us not just how to be alive, but how to live life that, has, that, that will never stop. Eternal type of life. That is the life that he's calling you into. He hasn't saved you so that you'll be with him when you die. He saved you so you'll be with him now, and you will keep being with him into eternity. And he wants you to teach you how to live what life will be like in eternity. So what difference does it make if I'm alive instead of dead? All the difference. Because you live like someone who's alive and will keep on living. Thoughts? Questions? As we close. Holy Spirit? Yeah? Holy Spirit's way cooler than I thought he was. Hey, he's there to help me do things that I'm not doing. Let me pray for us to do that. Father, we say that you're good to us, but Father, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as a helper, we don't really even know the half of how good you are to us. That a person, as far as the Trinity, you say that lives inside us and is helping us live and teaching us and helping us live an eternal type of life. Father, right now, I, your Holy Spirit is telling me that I'm so excited to live that life with you. That each year I walk with you, each year I learn with you, each year you turn out to be, that, that I'm learning how more faithful you were in year 25 than you were in year one. And not that you weren't any more faithful, but Father, but I know that you are because I've experienced it. Father, each year I'm one step closer to living that eternal type of life, and I am more and more excited to learn what else is out there. It's like, it gets better than this. Father, as we dwell on these ideas, Father, challenge us to want to get out of the pig pen for something different and more and eternal. Lord, we love you. Help us see how much you love us. 
in your Son, and in the giving of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name.